0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. We have a very special guest for you today, a real guest, someone who has a wealth of knowledge and expertise. He is an author, a speaker, a licensed NLP practitioner, a behavioral coach. The list could go on and on. Last time we talked about his experiences in the music industry and his work with JLo lo and how that transitioned into financial services. Ladies and gentlemen, I could go on and on, but he is a great individual. He has a wealth to share with you today. Please help me welcome Julian Sato, EVP of Learning and Development at EPM. Julian, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Michael, appreciate it.
0: Uh, Well, it is great to have you. We're so glad you're here. Last time we talked a lot about leadership and development. Tell me a little bit about what are some of the things you're seeing in the mortgage industry right now, and then we'll transition into some of the new things that you're doing. Yes, of
1: course. Well, you know, interesting enough, since COVID happened, I mean, we've seen a lot of transition when it comes to morale, development, um, engagement, retention, um, outside the market, you know, um, inventory issues and things of that nature. From a personal standpoint, we're seeing a lot of transitions. People are starting to live to the level of just survival, not to the level of like, Exceptional, you know, so uh, it, the bleeding lines between work and life balance and home, it's, it's just kind of become very gray, if you will. So, I, I, I've i seen that happen greatly. And, you know, inc- depression has increased by 400% in this country. And we're the one in the only country that has the greatest depression outside of Japan when it comes to uh, ever since COVID has taken place.
0: Well, you bring, and that's such an important topic, right? I mean, yeah. There's so many things that are taking place in the workforce now. More people are working remotely, they're forced to with COVID. Some people are excited about going back into offices as some of them are opening up. Some people are very scared to do that. And I think really tuning in, one thing that COVID has taught me is everybody has a different life experience and everyone has a little bit different filter and we can't just assume we're gonna make this one decision and it's the one size fits all for the masses. Tell me a little bit, You know as you work in development and everything like that, what are some of those considerations you have to take into account when you're mapping out kind of the strategy of really getting employees engaged, but tuning in who's comfortable, who's not, and kind of what's required?
1: Well, you know, that's probably one of the most important things is that in leadership we tend to focus on metrics. We focus on performance of the business, but now you have to focus on the personalities that you're dealing with. So you need to be more of a psychologist than, ever before. And to your point, there is no such thing as one size fits all. But the subconscious is always looking for the commonality. So we look for those people who think like us, and we will burrow into our own opinions based off of the fact that we have other people thinking the same way. So a leader has to understand that when they give their opinion, they automatically ostracize, you know, part of their workforce. So it's very tricky, how to navigate your leadership, your goals, your ideals, your visions, even what your your thoughts about COVID to getting a shot, not getting a shot, politics, all those things are now, um, it used to be religion was something you couldn't talk about. Now you can talk about that freely and everything else you can't talk about, right? So it's really, uh, a leader has to really consider, you know, the, the persona they're giving off because everyone has what I call a dogma. Uh, if I ask you to draw a picture of a dog, we're both thinking dog, but I draw a picture completely different than you because your dogma is different than mine. So we have to understand that everyone has their own dogma and you can't force your dogma onto other people. All you can do is influence other people with really using what I call third-party validation. You know, the culture really focuses on other people's thoughts that resemble theirs versus your opinion. So that's the key. is wondering how to not have the answer to everyone's question, if that makes sense.
0: It does. Great insight. So as a leader, especially as we talk mortgage industry, financial services, how do you continue to move the company forward? How do you challenge people to be their best, but still take those things into consideration being mindful of those personalities, but not allowing them to become a crutch for people to not aspire to creating a greater culture to to produce better results. How do you balance those?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. the biggest answer to that is allow people to fail and be embrace the failure. You know, instead of being perfect to having the answer, let people try things. Most people want to be entrepreneurs in their own right. They, they don't want to answer to somebody since they were kids. They want to grow up and be grown, right? Most people want to feel like they have their own autonomy. But here we have autonomy, meaning staying at home. And so it, it's almost like now we're we're wanting more guidance so you never can it's like you one thing you think you want you actually want the opposite when you get it so i think giving people a an idea and letting them invoke their own ideas into your ideas and let them fail at it and let them try as you say more so than fail like put effort into it and be willing to accept failure and say that's great that means let's try it again and let's see what we get out of this like a scientist you know try it again until you get it right
0: great insights and You do a lot of coaching. I do coaching in the industry. We want to help whether it's the loan officers, whether it's the production staffs and everything. You now have a new role at EPM. Tell us about that and tell us kind of why you chose to stick with one company. You and I have had conversations in the past where you've helped multiple companies. I work with multiple companies. Tell me what was it about EPM and what are you doing there that really got you to stay that's the one company I really want to uh, work with, and, and really dive deep into.
1: Well, you know, Eddie Perez is more like uh, Andrew Carnegie to me. Uh, he's the same concept, and he, I hope that doesn't put him on. A, I don't want to mythologize him, but put this in perspective: he treats the company like entrepreneurs. Uh, are running it. He doesn't treat it like his own. He says, run with it. Do what you think you should do. And what you find is you find a lot of people being entrepreneurial and finding ways to do things. In that process, he has really developed an amazing streamlined process in every avenue from wholesale to retail. And I love that. And so I embrace that because, as you know, working with different companies, you tend to step in and then you step out, right? So you don't see things to the fruition. You see things start and then you see that they usually go back to their same behaviors once you leave. So what I find here is that I can step in and I can actually see it to the fruition. I can actually move it all the way to the other end of the needle and be able to use my creativity, step outside the box, meet with people like you. Some companies wouldn't allow me to talk to you because if I'm consulting or if I'm working for them then I'm stuck in a box and I think that's one of the strangest things we have to deal with we have to realize titles don't define us but the individuality of creativity the mindset the way people think is what defines us and so allowing people to think create use their creativity in your business is the best branding marketing there is than to create some flyer and say we're great but then keep people stagnant and I think that's what I why I stepped into EPM because it does you gives you the freedom to run and, you know, trip if you want, and they'll pick you back up and dust you off and put you back out there. So that's why.
0: Uh, I love it. And so tell me, what is your new role at EPM, And what are you looking forward most to of in this new role? Well, you know, the role is being,
1: you know, exec- is EVP of learning and development. So I'm going to be working on learning and development, but I'm going to really tie in the neuroscience i'm going to bring in the scientific facts that go with the subconscious mind we can easily know what our conscious mind is doing because we we've created manuals on it all day long but i'm going to help leaders understand the subconscious understand the triggers the neural pathways that and the uh, you know the neurotransmitters that take place in every thought and everything we do from our engagement with each other to when we put things in place and when we're trying to make things fix uh work All those things are going to be focused around science and how the mind works so i'm going to tie that into training i'm going to help us look at every individual employee we have and see where is their creativity being exposed and where are the ones who don't want to be creative who just want to be just i just want to move the widgets okay let's put them there so give them pathways to their career that's going to help them get to the next level so and again it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be in mortgage that's another thing. And also help bring new people into the industry that have never been in the industry. Give us opportunities to leverage people who are looking for a career and find their doorway at APM. And that's what I'm going to do.
0: Fantastic. So tell me a little about we're on the FinTech Hunting podcast. What's technology's role in being able to grow and foster and using the numbers and the analytics of what it's telling you and allowing people to really develop that creativity?
1: Yeah, you know, interesting enough, I would say technology is, I would say from an employee standpoint is literally a threat. I mean, put it in perspective, we automate so many things. It starts, the human nature is to think I'm gonna be devalued or I'm not gonna be needed anymore. So what we need to do is make sure we show the need for the human element in the technology always. If you don't do that, you're gonna have people do it with a fake smile, really with the concept of threat in in their forefront. So they're always looking to jump ship or they're not looking to put the full 100% effort into the process of this new technology. So we need to kind of merge the two and realize that we're not one without the other. We need both uh, to work together.
0: Well, and that is such a good point, because I think a lot of people struggle with user adoption. And Mm. I think one of the reasons they struggle with user adoption is to your exact point of, People are fearful, it's automating, is it gonna take my job away? And what I have found is that people that embrace the technology and merge it like you talked about, technology can be a great enabler so that you have more time to foster the one-on-one relationships. You can develop and grow as a leader, uh, but you really gotta have that buy-in. So what are some of the things companies can do To get that buy in for technology, how can they find ways to merge the two so people aren't so fearful that their job is going to be eliminated and that technology is their biggest threat? Bottom line,
1: include them. Uh, You have to include the biggest voice on your frontline employees have to be involved in the upper leadership meetings. They should know what's going on. They shouldn't hear it from a trickle down effect. Include them, get their ideas, see what's working for them. See if they like the concept of this product and see the value of that because they're going to spread the message to the ones that are in the frontline, not you. When you spread the message, they automatically assume, just like a politician, there's a motive behind it. So getting someone who's already trusted in the front line to be your voice is that that third-party validation. So include people that are already relevant to the people in the front line to have a voice in that product. Then give them some control. Let them feel like they have some buy-in. They can say, well, I like this, but I don't like that. Have we thought about this? And then show the progress to that. Let them feel the progress of moving forward based off of their ideas. When you get that, you have buy-in. It's the, the fact that we come up with concepts and we stamp it and we put it out there and say, this is what we're doing. You automatically have that childhood moment of like want to push back because I'm my own man. Don't tell me what I'm doing. I want to do it this way. And that, that is why we revert back to old behaviors.
0: Oh, that is great info. I hope you guys Mm -hmm. are taking notes because there is millions upon millions of dollars spent on new technology, great technology. But if people don't use it, if they don't embrace, if they don't feel they were part of the discussion, a lot of times that is just wasted money. Uh, I talk to companies all the time, I talk to lenders all the time and some people have two point of sale systems, a couple CRMs and there's just not that buy-in. So I'd love how you discuss that and I think one of the critical things that you mentioned is when you include them in the decision-making process, they're the ones on the front line who are going to be using it. They know what works, they know what doesn't work, they know where some of the pitfalls are, so how do you encourage people to give their candid feedback so that they're willing to really get involved in the process? Cause too many times I've seen where people kind of rubber stamp or they're like, well, my boss really likes this solution. So I, I kind of got to go along with him or it's not going to go very well. How do you handle those type of situations?
1: You have to publicize it. Look, if I have John Doe who is my frontline employee and I'm the owner of the company, Publicize it. Hey, you know, I was walking the hall and I bumped into John Doe and we started talking about this product and, you know, what? he turned me around. I thought it was a good idea, but then I see the value of this one instead or I see why we should do this. Promote it like an infomercial. You need to tell. It's the same thing with recruiting. Uh, You know, we have companies that have uh, employee referral programs, but never connect the dots to the rest of the employees. We don't show people's connection. We don't say, hey, I, you referred this guy 90 days ago. He's still here. He's working well. You made money. And then you guys are working side by side. One of your best friends are working with you at the company. It's the same concept. Promote what you're doing within versus just focusing on without. That becomes your branding. That becomes your marketing. That becomes your your image, basically. And that is what we're forgetting. We keep doing it from the outside, not the inside.
0: Oh, great insights, Julian. You and I could keep talking about this all day. Tell me a little bit about where do you see things going the rest of this year and into 2022 in the market as relates to learning, development, and growing employees?
1: That's a great question. And I, you know, I think non-QM is a big focus going forward. I think uh, getting people to understand the industry more so than their job is going to be another big focus. I think we need to expand the the doorways, the silos, we need to break down the walls and open up the consulting mentality, teach people the business, not just teach them their job, give them some bandwidth to be able to cross-pollinate because, you know, we've already lost a lot of trust in the industry. When we said we couldn't work remotely and then did it within 24 hours because of COVID, we lost a lot of trust with a lot of employees. So now that we're going to see a kind of a slowdown, possibly, and we're going to see a lot of companies over staffed. We should be focusing on cross-pollinating job roles so people can literally stay in their company, maybe be deployed in another area, but then also be more skilled up, if that makes sense.
0: Oh, it does. And and I love that comment. Teach people the business, not just their job. Yes, absolutely. Then they're going to add more value. They're going to have more skin in the game. And then to your point of then they can cross-pollinate. Right? Right. You may have more capacity in your processing department, but because they understand the business, maybe they now wanna go into underwriting or maybe they now wanna be a loan officer. There's so many opportunities in this great industry, but we've gotta teach people the business, not just how to perform a specific fa- uh, function or task. Absolutely. Julian, what's the best way? You've shared so many great insights. I can't thank you enough for being a guest. What's the best way if people want to get a hold of you? They want to find out some of the cool things that you're doing at EPM. What's the best way they can get in contact with you?
1: Oh, they can find me at EPM. uh, Find me on LinkedIn. You know, remember F period Julian, you know the story behind that. F period Julian Sato uh, on LinkedIn, as well as uh, you can find me at uh, jsato at epm.net.
0: And for those of you, we, we teased it early on. We talked about JLo and Julian's expertise in the music business prior to getting into financial services. You're going to have to go back. You're going to have to listen to our previous episode. It is one of the FinTech Hunting Podcasts. He has wonderful stories to share that are very, very memorable and really make a great connection to how you can build and foster better relationships, whether it's in financial services or any industry. Julian, thank you so much for joining this episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast.
1: Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it.